What's up, everyone? Kelsey Charles and Megan Murray here, and you are listening to Girls Talking Boys in partnership with SB Nation. As always, hello. Hello, happy Friday. It's extra happy because today we have a friend on the pod. We have friends, you guys, is what we're trying to say. We're not giving you this additional information for the sake of trying to enlighten you. We're merely just trying to flex our social circle muscles and showcase the fact that we do indeed have comrades, have friends. We are not losers in said space. So don't let my tweets about talking to my dog um, confuse you. (laughs) Uh, That being said, Meg, you're right. We do have a guest joining us today. The one and only Dalton Miller, writer and draft analyst for Pro Football Network. Dalton, what's up? Hey, listen, I think it's weird if you don't speak to your puppy uh, or, or dog like it's a grown human being um, and your partner in life. Uh, so if people don't do that, I look at them weird. Um, I wanted to say like, hello, ladies, but there's no way to say that phrase without sounding super weird um, and creepy. So I just yeah, right, like you had late like hello, ladies to the end of anything. And it just sounds weird. So how are you guys doing? You, you already said how you're doing. Um, and yes, I have a couple of friends as well. Anybody who is listening, but it's like these two and like three more people. So I, I'm really just kind of lucky that the two people I am friends with asked me to be on their podcast. It's a tight community here in DFW, but we like it. We like it that way. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Now that we've totally just showcased how many friends we don't have, um, let's go ahead and dive into less embarrassing subjects. Well, maybe less embarrassing, but I would go ahead and say that the state of the Dallas Cowboys is kind of not the greatest right now, but let's talk about it a little bit, if you will, guys. I want to get your thoughts. I mean, obviously that season was just nothing to write home about, so we're good on closing the door on that, but now is when we can truly start to reinvest in the prospect of the Dallas Cowboys winning a Super Bowl because that's what we as Cowboys fans do and Dalton I want to get your thoughts on just how that's going to go down um in all real (laughs) not reality this next couple of months they're going to be so interesting and especially in light of COVID and how these the NFL and the leagues and, and and all these combines and things are having to adjust and I really want to dive into that with you guys, because if you haven't looked, there's a ton of updates out there and it's really super interesting. So, um, you know, obviously the final draft position for the teams won't come until post playoffs and compensatory picks are being announced on Friday. So today, when you're listening to this, um, you guys can probably expect some, some movement around the Cowboys in regards to uh, reimbursements for Jeff Keith, Byron Jones, Randall Cobb, like Quinn Griffin. Those are all some names that I'm sure you'll hear a little bit more of here in the coming days. But um, before we kind of go into that. The Senior Bowl's next week. So, Dalton, I know you're just so knee-deep in everything draft, and this is the first official draft function, draft-related function, if you will. I would love to get your thoughts on, despite the fact that it's still happening in the Combine, which we'll talk about in a minute, isn't happening in its natural state, do you feel like that changes the credibility, changes the impact of what this senior bowl can mean for draft prospects for the 2021 season? Yeah, I think that this could be the most important senior bowl when it comes to helping, you know, the guys that do show up and, and contribute 
to their draft stock um, without the combine, without those face-to-face meetings that happened throughout that week. I think it's going to be difficult for these teams to really get to know a lot of the guys that they want to get to know. Um, and this is going to be really big on, you know, the, cause all of the interviews here are, are, are informal. So it's, it's taking guys out to dinner. It's finding guys when they come off the field and, and being able to talk to them for a couple of minutes um, and, and just finding some time uh, to kind of get to know them in depth uh, to, to start or, or to start to build that relationship. Um, and so I do think, you know, having that type of, of you know, insight into these guys um, and no combine, no testing, seeing these guys on the field all together, you know, probably 90% of the guys who show up here are, are going to, you know, end up being pros at the next level. Um, and so going up against that competition is going to be huge for them. So oh, would you say that this puts more of an emphasis than ever before on the senior bowl, if we're not doing the combine? Yes, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, the teams that show up and really take, you know, this portion of it seriously and figure out who do they like, who isn't going to really be a fit for their system. I mean, who shows up and actually helps their draft stock here? Because we've seen guys all the time. Um, I know Obi Melifonwu is, is a guy I was just talking to his brother the other day who went into the senior bowl and really had a good week. Um, and then have a great combine and those two things together took him from somebody who was probably going to be a day three pick um, all the way up until the second round. Um, and I think that, you know, with that, with no combine plus the opt out guys, uh, I think that this senior bowl could be huge for, for the guys that do show up. Wait, so- you said Mela Fonwu though. Isn't that your new pet cat? Are they related? Yes. Have to be. Yes. They're, they're brothers. Okay. Yep. This is, is yep. this how you like got in early on? <laughs> I discovered them before anyone. <laughs> Ifatu Melifanwu, yes. Um, so I actually saw somebody was watching him the other day um, on Twitter, and I was like, you know what? He likes him. I'll I'll put on his tape and and give him a shot. He was somebody who, you know, up until just recently, had been talked about as a, a day three pick, maybe a safety convert. Um, but he's six foot three, 215 pounds. So he's big for a corner, but he's got all the long speed in the world. He's really fluid. He's good in his transitions. I mean, he can play a little bit of off man um, as well. I mean, he's good in zone. He's a great tackler. Um, and so he's kind of my pet cat, you know, for this draft class. Um, we got to talk to him the other day. Um, I've actually gotten to interview two of my pet cats. Um, him, him, and Aline McNeil, who's a one technique from North Carolina State. Um, we could definitely use both of those positions, and getting to talk to both of them was was really nice. I love that. So I love uh, meeting the captain of someone's hype train. So yes. <laughs> absolutely, for you. and um, it's funny because Aline McNeil. I tweeted about him like a year and a half ago when I was watching one of his teammates, and he had like liked it and then we got on the interview and he knew like exactly who I was. <laughs> no, you didn't was, tag him. You just you just wrote about him and he totally was one of those like search your own name types. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Um well I want to dive into the logistics a little bit more too because you know again I kind of nerd out over these subjects as you guys probably both know um being my friend at this point. But so the two teams that are coaching it's 
for those that maybe didn't know before or did know, but you know, it's the highest draft position. Those that have the highest draft position who haven't fired their head coach, LOL. Um, so it's going to be the Panthers, Matt Rule and the Panthers, and then Brian Flores and the Dolphins. Do you feel like too that Dalton, like that these two coaching staffs, obviously they have higher draft picks. And then I was looking at last year comparing the types of players that showed up to the senior bowl, because I don't feel like the senior bowl has historically been known or, or touted quite as highly as the combine has been, you know, I mean, I don't think that's uh, an offensive thing to say. It just kind of is what it is, but like guys like last year, like Justin Herbert were there, you know, like it's, it's the, the types of caliber of individual that's coming has really, really increased in my personal opinion. And last year it was the lions and the Bengals and the lions took two players, one from each team and the Bengals selected one player from their own team from the senior bowl. So it feels to me like, some of these prospects might be considering being more intentional in appearing in the senior bowl because of the looks they could be getting from these two potential rosters. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. All right. So Devonte Smith and Najee Harris, uh, obviously Heisman winner and Heisman uh, finalist for Alabama are both going to the senior bowl and are both going to be coached by the Miami squad who just drafted their former quarterback last year. And, oh, they need a wide receiver and a running back. Oh, oh interesting. Jim Nagy and the, the crew at the Senior Bowl have really, really done a fantastic job of marketing the Senior Bowl differently in the past couple of years. I mean, it really started off with being able to get Baker Mayfield there. Um, you know, obviously Carson Wentz was there back in 2016 before he was drafted, but when Jim showed up, he really took Twitter and social media, um, and took the senior bowl to those platforms. Um, and honestly, like that's where guys live. That's where these college dudes live and they see the hype that people get, you know, around the senior bowl with, you know, media and stuff that cover it. Um, they know that the coaches go there. And so I think that that, you know, uh, light that has been shown on it uh, throughout social media has really helped it grow. I find that so interesting. And I think it's really true. I mean, like, again, as a marketer myself, I totally am buying what you're selling. And, and I think that aspect of the draft process is going to be even more important in my personal opinion than it has been in years past. And I mean, we can start discussing the combine because talk about some differences. I think Meg, we were discussing, you mentioned before we started, we hit record that you're surprised that they're able to have the senior bowl and they're not, and they're not having the combine. It's in its traditional sense. And I kind of would agree with that. The combine is so different this year, you guys, like so different. Indianapolis is no more. That's it's typically you're on 330 draft prospects that are invited each year. You know, you have the on-field process. They have, all the interviews, they have the the physicals and it's all self-contained in one place. Everyone you know descends upon Indianapolis. And now, now we're going full Zoom, baby. Like basically, if you will, right? You've got interviews and psychological analysis. They're gonna be all virtual. Medical exams are gonna be part telehealth and then part in person, more like a regional type thing with the players and the team staff. And they'll 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 kind of come to the closest hub uh that this player's prospects colleges and and you know it's just it's so different and then the on-field stuff is going to be conducted on campus in like a pro day style and i mean again as someone like yourself dalton like i watched i always watched 
the combine, but I'm not sitting there grading them. I feel like, like you guys are, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of difficulties in maintaining the uniformity across the board. Like, how are you ensuring that all of these multiple pro days across the nation are doing the same thing and no one has an advantage and blah, 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 blah. Like, is this, how are they going to pull this off? (laughs) I have no idea. And so, you know, I say that to say this, uh, the testing stuff, the pro days, that's going to be really difficult. If, if you're not able to get scouts from these teams to be able to go to these and see them live, they're not going to take any of the times that they're given completely to heart. And so I think what you're going to see more this year is, you know, things like the senior bowl. Um, and if you are able to actually see some prospects in person test, I think that's going to be really big. Um, I also think that teams are going to just strictly go more off of production and tape this year than testing numbers. And I think who that hurts the most are the 2020 opt-outs. Um, going a full year without tape. And now, you know, some of these guys were, you know, some of the best athletes in their class. Micah Parsons, uh, linebacker from Penn State. You have uh, Caleb Farley, the cornerback from Virginia Tech, both supposed to test, you know, off the charts. um, And they won't get that opportunity to do that in a, you know, uniform setting. Um, And so that could hurt those guys' draft stocks. That is so interesting i didn't even think about the opt-outs i didn't even think about them that's crazy so are they able to i guess they have to figure out who they want to focus on but are scouts able to travel to see someone specifically do we know or are they still able to like have people come visit and um are they able to see them that way or is it just strictly all going to be virtual I haven't heard about official visits yet. Have you? You know, everything that I know so far is that everything's going to be virtual right now. I think the best way that they'll probably end up kind of weaseling their way around things is to go to the hubs of where all these guys are training. They'll go out to LA, they'll go to Phoenix, they'll come to Dallas, they'll go down to Tampa and they'll go to all these places and they'll just kind of not sneak in, but they'll go in and be able to see these guys, you know, from a distance uh, with masks on, I guess, uh, watch them kind of work out, work them, uh, you know, watch them do the 40 that way. And so it'll be a more unofficial way to see these guys. But I think if you really, you know, love a guy's tape and you need to get your eyes on them, they'll figure out a way to to do that. I just got like a mental image of like a scout dressing up as like a janitor. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Can't you see like watching them working out? Yeah, can't you see like happy Brian just like in the background, like outside a window of a training facility, just watching guys do the 40? No, I don't just want it, I need it. But you know, like literally what you said, Dalton, earlier, it's going to be down to marketing. You know, you brought up a great point. These training facilities, Dallas is a massive hub for that. You've got tons of guys that are either from the Dallas area, they just come to the Dallas area and their trainers, they're no dummies. They're posting videos and highlights of these practices of these players, you know, because obviously they want their guys to get exposure and the, the better picks that they get and the higher that they're drafted at, the better businesses for them too. And so I feel like you're going to see a lot of these guys 
very similar to how we were looking at training camps last year. Like we, we heard a lot about like scouts following other teams, medias and, and trying to see what practice was looking like and, and whatever. I think that's honestly going to be a component in the draft process this year. Like they're going to be following these trainers and watching the clips that they're putting out and the stuff the players are putting out about themselves too. Yeah, I mean, that you're going to kind of see things like that, I think. And, you know, on top of that, I think that you'll see a, a much higher volume of workouts being tweeted and put on Instagram and TikTok and things of that nature and trying to show these scouts like, hey, this is what I'm working on right now. Like I just saw a video of uh, my, or yeah, Miami, Michigan pass rusher Quiddy Pay uh, with a 200-pound kettlebell and three weighted vests on doing one-legged squats. Wow. Um, That's chill. And like, I, I just think you're going to see a lot of those like homemade videos from these guys to show like, hey, I'm working. Um, and this is what I can do athletically because you're not going to be able to really see it in an official way. So I, I think really hope they start doing TikTok dances and then like going into, into workouts. Like, <laughs> how many days it takes for one of these workouts to get on your for you page, Meg. Like, <laughs> it's going to happen tonight. Now that we talked about it, Literally, like big brothers listening and I'm going to get a text of a TikTok. We're both going to Dalton of some <laughs> prospect with his TikTok workout. I feel so boomer even talking about TikTok in regards to like a pro day style workout. That is <laughs> wild to me, you guys. Like that blows my mind. Blows my mind. It'll be like some dope like route that he's running like to some really popular kitchen. Oh, like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> like in the back. <laughs> that's that's exactly what's going to happen. Yes. <laughs> Let's get weird. Yeah, they're gonna run a they're gonna run a comeback and then get right into oh man, I'm dating myself here. Yeah, the doggy. Oh, just do if it. If you want the me doggy. to be a scout from the couch, this is the way to do it. Put it on right. <laughs> Hashtag scout from the couch series. Send them. Send all of the TikToks to me of dudes working. Okay, that that sounded weird. Of all of the draft prospects working out, send all those oh, TikToks. You way. guys already heard it. Dalton wants your dudes working out. TikToks, please. No. <laughs> please make sure they're an, they're an NFL draft prospect and not your uncle. Hey, he could be in the NFL. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> like no judgment. No judgment. Um. Okay. So uh, now that we have kind of discerned the fact that yeah, things are going to be weird, and 2020 wasn't the only year that was just off, you know, crazy and whatever else. Um. So. Dan Quinn is now in the building, or at least he has officially gotten the title and signed his paperwork. I feel like there's a lot of talk about the schemes that he's going to run. We've mentioned it before. He's known for his work at the Legion of Boom and obviously, um, you know, the rings he was able to win there. He has a long history with defensive linemen. He himself was one. He, that's kind of where he got his start in the league. And then again, obviously what he was able to do with the secondary up in Seattle, but I want to get your thoughts, you know, four, three, talk about that. D log his hand on the ground. Cover three is another thing that, you know, we talk about with him in the single high and then, but all of that aside, you know, he's going to run what he's going to run, but how are you thinking that he might have an impact on the draft? If at all. 
That's a, a good question because we've seen that they in Atlanta have a propensity to take corners and they take corners and, and members of the secondary high quite a bit. Um, and that's to include safeties, which is something that the Cowboys have never done. I think the highest or the last time they've spent, you know, more than a second round pick on one was 2002. Yeah. Um, they just don't value the position. And I think that that it most likely is going to change a little bit with Dan Quinn coming in, you know, especially in a cover three heavy scheme, you need that kind of roaming free safety. And so I think that that's not something that we should circle and pen, but something that we should, you know, underline in pencil for now um, that that might be a, a position that they finally look at in the draft. Um, other than that, what I think that he'll bring most, uh, of all is just helping, you know, fit our personnel a little bit better with what they want to do. This defensive line just was not built on the interior to play a two gapping scheme. Mm-hmm. And that hurt our linebackers who, you know, struggle at times, you know, even in 2019 in a one gap system, uh, the, the two gap system hurt them more because you didn't have defensive tackles that were able to hold up against double teams. They were in the laps of the linebackers all the time. Um, and that made their poor play just be magnified with this going back to a one gap system. And I like the way that Dan Quinn does it. Uh, it's a one gap, but it's different from Marinelli's in that they don't shoot gaps and continue and and try to get a ton of penetration. It's more shoot your gap and then hold your gap, uh, which should help out the linebackers stay more free. Um, And so I think that just with that, the run defense will improve a little bit. And then in the secondary, you know, running a ton of cover three is okay, but you have to have coverage checks and you have to be able to switch things up every now and then uh, in a modern or against modern offenses, because there's just too many things that beat cover three nowadays. What we saw with Dan Quinn in Atlanta towards the end was he brought in Raheem Morris to be his defensive coordinator or Atlanta did that. Um, And Raheem Morris and that defense, they ran, you know, especially against the Cowboys, they ran a bunch of uh, Tampa two, coverage Uh, they ran a bunch of too high and so I I think that Dan Quinn has shown that he can involve evolve a little bit um, but you're still going to get a lot of cover three principles and with that probably big long athletic corners so a la Chris Richard yes yes very much like Chris Richard with what he wants in a corner which makes sense because again Chris Richard worked for Dan Quinn (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's the yeah. guys doing a little bit of math here. Um, no, it, it's absolutely right because the the tall, long, you know, rangy corners are the guys that you pick to play cover three because that's what works best in in that system. All right, you mentioned the linebackers a bit, and I want to ask you an ancillary question. Do you feel like the Quinn hire? There's been a lot of talk about Jalen Smith. That is, you know. He's just one of those headlines that's been consistent this season. Do you think that hire helps or hurts a guy like Jalen? Well, I think that the Dan Quinn hire might have possibly saved his job. Wow. So I don't know if we would have kept with a more complex defensive scheme that Jalen would have been around next year. I think that there's a good possibility he could have been a cap casualty. 
um, because, you know, post June one, you were able to save $7.2 million against the cap. And that would have helped obviously, you know, with Dak Prescott's contract um, and to be able to, you know, bring in a, maybe a safety and free agency or a, a one technique defensive tackle or even a, a cornerback if you're able to find some other money somewhere else. Um, and so I think that this could have saved his job in Dallas at least. Um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe they still give him the boot. I think if you do, you need to have a good backup plan in mind because just getting rid of, of Jalen Smith doesn't do anything to help your football team. You need to have a better option. And right now they, they don't. So what would be the backup plan in your mind? Are you going to go draft or are you going to go figure? It, like what, what would that look yeah, like? Yeah, it would, it, for me, it would be most likely looking at a linebacker in the top three rounds of the draft that you think can come in and play either the Mike or the will, because I think that um, at least Leighton Van Der Esch can kind of play the Mike or the will. I think that he's a little bit fluid there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, outside of that, you look at the draft and then you also, you know, get somebody in free agency that you think can at least hold their own a little bit at the position. Well, that's a very interesting statement, my friend. And I kind of think you're right. Because again, there were a lot of people, they were basically trying to to, to fire Jalen at the end of the season, straight up asking him questions and the whole like watch the tape saga, mm-hmm. if you will. And and yeah, I mean, I think it'll be very interesting to see how that changes. Um all right. Well, you already kind of mentioned you and Meg have a few pet cats, but I'd love to kind of get your idea because now is the time when I start to get serious about paying attention to guys that I should be watching. So who are a people, a few guys that you just think everyone should just be looking out for? And if they want to start diving into the draft, here's a few places to start. Um, for me, the big one at corner is Caleb Farley. I think he's the best fit and I think he's the best corner, but he tore his ACL in 2017. um, And in his final year of college football, 2019, he had a pinched nerve in his back that was causing back spasms that after the season he got surgery on. So with the injury trouble and not being able to work out at the combine, which he was supposed to blow up, and not having tape in 2020 after the back surgery, you're going to have questions about him. So he's somebody who I think, even though he's the best corner in this class, is probably going to be there at 10. I don't know if the Cowboys would take him unless they are really able to do their due diligence with him. Mm -hmm. But if he's there, I'm pounding the table to draft him. Really? Because I don't see any better options. And for me... I need a home run on the opposite side of the field from Trayvon Diggs because as good as good as the flashes were with him, mm-hmm. I think that at best he will always be a cornerback two. He might end up being a high-end cornerback two, but I think that he's always going to be a high-variance player who you know sometimes makes a great play and, and gets the interception and, and will take it back for six. And there's times where he'll jump around and he'll get beat deep. He's, he's very much like um, a Marcus Peters in that aspect. And so with a Marcus Peters, 
you want a, a legitimate, you know, lockdown corner on the other side. Um, and it's just unfortunate because they had that in Byron Jones, the boring corner, mm-hmm. and they just let him walk. Don't remind so, me, but yeah, that's the that's the name at corner that I'm I'm circling. And then the next one I talked about was Ifatu Melifonwu, who I think will probably be there around pick 44, but I wouldn't mind taking one of the Cowboys' 10 or 11 picks that they have and moving back up to make sure that you get him if you miss out on corner with your pick at 10. So you're going secondary with your main priority. Need it. Need it. I would love I would love to go defensive tackle, but this right. just isn't the the class to to do that, you know, early in the the draft. What about offensive tackle? No. Um unless unless I hear, you know, Tyron Smith is retiring and Lyle Collins might not be the Lyle Collins that we remember, then I am. But if I have even Lyle Collins coming back and I think he's going to be healthy. Even if Tyron Smith retires, I think that you can live with a guy off a free agency or, you know, one of the guys that you have in house. If Terrence Steele is able to improve a little bit, because by the end of the season, he had been improving and getting better. Brandon Knight was good up until he got injured. And then we saw him kind of fall off. But I think when healthy, he can hold his own as well. And I think that Dak Prescott is a good enough quarterback at this point in his career where he'll be able to produce with one good offensive tackle because any good quarterback is able to account for outside pressure from one side of the football. And I think with how good he's gotten moving around in the pocket and buying time, I think that he'll be okay if we don't spend a premium asset there. We also are good because this draft class is really, really deep in offensive tackle. So even if you don't get one at 10, there's a chance that you can get a guy on day two at pick 44 or even in the third round that you can look at and say, hey, this guy might end up starting for us even in year one. Um, Guys like, you know, maybe Jackson Carmen, uh, Dylan Rat, uh, that's from uh, Clemson, uh, a guy like Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, Dylan Raddance, like we're 10 to 12 guys deep here. And if you don't have them all coming off of the board, you might be able to get a starter on day two. Realistically, you mentioned Terrence Steele. And again, that's another guy that got a lot of heat this past mm-hmm. year. And I've said it before, I think we all have said it. I quite frankly don't feel like he was set up for success in several situations, but that's neither here nor there at this point. How much of a developmental swing do you feel like realistically he can make between now and the draft for this team to feel comfortable with him as a viable, at least rotational starter should, should, I'm knocking on wood so hard y'all right now, but like, should they need to put him in that position again next year? Yeah, I mean, I think getting over the initial shell shock, um, because we have to remember, he was a project coming into the league. Right, Um, He was undrafted free agent. He had super long arms, and he was a legitimate project. And for him to have to come in and play right away, um, 
that's not going to be easy for any undrafted rookie, especially on the offensive line, especially at tackle. Um, and so just getting that out of the way, I think really helped him. And then other than that, it's just cleaning things up. Technically, he's a good enough athlete uh, to survive out there on the edge. And he has a ridiculous wingspan, which if he gets better technically with his athleticism, he'll be able to, even if he does get beat, he'll be able to recover at least on the outside because of that length. He'll be able to push guys up the arc um, and out of the way of Dak Prescott, who can step up in the pocket. Um, but you do want to sit down and really watch every single snap that he took towards the end of the year to, to, you know, try to imagine, can this guy get to a level to where we do feel comfortable there? Um, and I think that that's going to really, you know, be the deciding factor on whether they do go with tackle before day three this year. Nice. Well, speaking of drafting, um, so now that the season's over, um, what are your thoughts on our 2020 draft class and like, what can we take from that, that we need to apply to 2021? I think it was really good. Um, I think taking CD lamb at 17 was the correct decision. Um, you will never, ever see me say at any point that it wasn't, I said it at the time, it was the right thing to do. And I will forever say it was the right thing to do. I don't care if Caleb Von Chason ends up being an all pro. This was the correct decision to make. He was the better oh. player at the time. He was the better prospect. They did the right thing there. Um, and that really set up what they did for the rest of the draft. I, I really believe that they took best player available, at least in their opinion, the rest of the way out. Um, and I think that that is the correct way to draft because when we look at things, we say, okay, they have a need here, 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 and here. And in the NFL, you just don't know what year two or year three is going to look like. It could completely change. Your needs change even in one year. And so I think taking best player available you know, if you don't have an entrenched starter, it, you know, obviously you're not going to look to take a quarterback. Uh, if you have Dak Prescott signed, you know, to a long-term deal, you're probably not going to go running back high with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, but at other positions, even if you have guys who have been starting for a long time, um, even if you, you know, look at the wide receiver position right now, you're going to lose Michael Gallup after this season. I'm not saying you should go out and draft a, a wide receiver at 10, but if they did, it's not the end of the world because you can still trade Michael Gallup either during the draft or after for a pick in the future or a player. Um, you just need to not get so boxed in to what are my needs? What are my needs? What are my needs? that you're taking guys who are markedly worse on your board. Gotcha. Well, um, this is a non-serious question. Um, <laughs> Love them. <laughs> but I, we were talking about the Senior Bowl, and it, this also ties into not only the Senior Bowl, but Kelsey's favorite topic, marketing. Um, so... <laughs> Let's it's go, so I just need to know, I need to get everyone's opinion, hot take, what have you, um, pieces or cups? 
wow, you're going to do this to me tonight, Meg? Yeah, I am. <laughs> I, first of all, was not ready for this, but I have my answer. Dalton, I'll let you go first, though, because I just feel like I'm going to get really heated about it. So I need you to take the floor before I just totally hog the mic. Oh, man. Um, it's kind of a mood thing, to be honest. Like, if, I, if I'm going to sit down and, like, slam some candy, I'm, I'm going to go with the pieces. But if if I just want one thing to enjoy, it's going to be a cup. <laughs> and so that's kind of a cop out, but that's the way I feel. <laughs> um, so for the record, I determined this the other day. Reese's Pieces do not have any chocolate in them, which is great because I may or may not have almost killed Dave's dog. It was a very tragic situation. And uh, <laughs> he definitely, because I love Reese's Pieces. And I had bought some and I put them on the shelf. Well, the freaking Josie jumped up and grabbed them and ate all of them. And I thought I was horrified. I was going to die. <laughs> I didn't even remember that. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, guys, Reese's Pieces are safe for dogs. I don't recommend it, but apparently they're not going to die. Either way, I would have to say it really, you, you, you can't just look at it objectively. because This isn't an objective conversation. Like Reese's Pieces is- It's a, very dynamic. It's a premium- candy it's just one of the greatest concoctions of all time but if i'm going to dairy queen you cannot top a blizzard with reese's peanut butter cups in it like you just can't yeah, yes you can no let me tell you let me Kelsey, <laughs> just let me speak <laughs> this is my show okay <laughs> i'm your guest we're literally uh, no, uh, we're stopping the recording right now <laughs> you you add oreo on top of the Reese's. What about Reese's and Butterfinger? Because that's what I do. If you want to get real weird. And Here's the thing. I, I love Butterfingers. Those things can destroy your mouth. Oh, for sure. Those are hard to eat. They can destroy And so, especially when it's in an ice cream like that, because then they get hard. They get even harder. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a, enhances the difficulty. Yes, I'm going to be a Reese's and Oreo guy till I die. But I will accept the fact that you have to have Reese's in your blizzard. So that's OK. It's OK, OK. Bad for you. I like it is really kind of what it comes down to. My, it's my diet best described in a couple words. Well, offshoot question. Did anyone ever have like the Reese's puff cereal or was that just me? No. Wait, Kelsey, last time I saw you, you're eating a salad with like a bunch of barbecue around us. Well, you missed the part where <laughs> I left the room and literally went and bought Reese's pieces. Like that's the bag of Reese's pieces that I bought. That so I you just try to put on a show in public and then, yeah, and then when you're by I'm yourself. A I'm a big thing. Like I'm, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for making me look really healthy <laughs> in front of everyone. <laughs> yeah, you were eating a salad. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. I uh wait, what did you ask, Meg? Because I feel like I like told said, who eat, ate Reese's puffs? Like oh, oh no, dude. Um, you know the answer to this. I wasn't allowed in Dalton. You're I know uh, one of my two friends, so don't own, disown me after this. I wasn't allowed to eat cereal with more than 11 grams of sugar, 11 grams, no idea why. So I did not grow up eating Reese's puffs facts. They're great though, but didn't eat them. Like the I milk was... from Reese's puffs was elite. I'm just saying like everyone talks about the yeah. cocoa puffs milk. Uh -huh. you I, was, milk? I was, I was, I was a cocoa puffs guy. 
Um, but I was mostly, um, you know, a cinnamon toast crunch guy. Nice. Obviously. And then also frosted mini wheats. Okay. okay. I, I broke the rules when I was at school and definitely got some and snuck some cinnamon toast crunch. Cinnamon what toast crunch is the best cereal of all time. Of all time. It's, it's not even close. I don't know how people can argue it. Honestly, if you argue, if, if we're doing a ranking and you don't have cinnamon toast as your one, I am judging you. You're a serial killer. Like you are. <laughs> like serial killer or serial killer? <laughs> <laughs> Both, Meg. Both. Okay, just check. <laughs> um, well, obviously, we need all of y'all's thoughts on A, your cereal preferences and don't mess it up. B, Reese's cups versus pieces. And C, what your priorities in the draft are. Dalton, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. You guys can find Dalton on the Twitter at Dalton B. Miller. And he really does do some awesome breakdowns. It's fun to stalk him and just figure out what's going on inside his brilliant mind as we try to determine what this team is going to do come the draft. So thanks, my friend, for coming to hang out with us. You have a YouTube Thank- as well, right, Dalton? Oh. Yes, I do. Go to my go to my Twitter and, and subscribe to my YouTube so I can feed my family. Um, <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm really His just trying. family, try- Reese's Pieces, and. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm really just trying to uh, avoid getting a, a second job. Um, oh. Because I work part time at a radio station. I don't know if anybody out there listening uh, knows what that means, but it means I'm dependent. <laughs> <laughs> so please make sure Dalton can feed his family. <laughs> Guys, go I'll follow him on Twitter. <laughs> Subscribe to his YouTube. Dalton, thanks for hanging out with us. Guys, you can find the blog in the box. Whoa, that's not a word. The blog is <laughs> podcast wherever you get your podcast words are hard (laughs) whether it's spotify apple itunes or stitcher we too are also on youtube and we're all over the social media um some more than others you can find me on instagram at hey kelsey charles and also on twitter at kelsey underscore charles and megan at meg murray with four r's on everything um we have some really important words especially in light of the fact that this team was unsuccessful in stealing our peeps Dalton, I don't know if you want to partake in this, you and Meg too, like just because you're the guest of honor today, but we always end our show with some pretty poignant and very, very pertinent words. I love it. Go for it. I'll, I'll follow. I'll think of something. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be uh, Dallas forever, Philly for never. You can't take my mans. Just go ahead and say you agree, Dalton. Like it's words to live by. Dallas forever, Philly for never. Let's go. Our guys, let's go. Birds aren't real. They were scared of my tweets. (laughs) You did it. Thank God bless you, Meg. (laughs) Bye, guys.